I'm going to start with this question. Where were you when? Every generation has this kind of question that pops up. Where were you when? Where were you when Neil Armstrong uh, landed on the moon? Some of you remember that. I'm too young for that, so that's, I just wanted to point that out. Where were you when you heard JFK had been shot or Martin Luther King Jr. had been killed? Where were you when Columbine took place? Where were you when you saw the videos of 9-11? Or perhaps you knew somebody there in New York. You'll never forget those times. I know some of the examples uh, predate some of you. But where were you when you first realized COVID wasn't just a couple of week vacation and it would go on for a long time? Every generation has something that captures you, that steals your attention, that where, where these things are so big, they, they change everything. There's no going back. The culture shifts. Our lives are then never the same. They strike with no warning, and they create a lot of uncertainty in our life. We have a lot of uncertainty now. What's going to take place in the near future? We don't know. Has there ever been a year filled with more uncertainty? 2020, we all had a 2020 vision years ago. I don't want it in my vision anymore. 2020 is not a year I want to, re, uh, to you know, remember. 2020 has been filled with global pandemic, a global pandemic, economic recession, mass unemployment, political division like we've never seen, cultural upheaval, racial reckoning, record wildfires, killer bees. I somehow missed those. I didn't see them, but I heard about them. Fire tornadoes. Did anybody see some of those in California and other places? These tornadoes of fire, powerful hurricanes, massive floods. Did I miss anything? 2020 was an incredibly challenging year, and we're not done. It's enough to push some into a deep state of depression. It's it's difficult, and some of you have lost some loved ones as well, to just add to the uh, the natural disasters and the, and the worldwide pandemic. It's a tough year, and I would suggest if there's ever a year that we needed to know about the hope of Christmas, it's this one. If there was ever a year that we needed the joy of Christ, it is this year. And we as Christians know who we cling to for hope and for joy and peace but there's a world that's still looking for answers through political means, through financial means, through uh, various uh, uh, protective measures that they're taking. But there's only one place to find joy and hope and, and peace, and it is in Jesus Christ. We start the Advent season with this focus, hope. It's about the waiting that the Israelites had for their Messiah. They had hope that something better was to come. We still have the same hope that we have a Lord who has come, and he has gone away, and he's coming again. And we have a hope that we cling to, that this world is not our home, and it will be better. The word Advent means coming or arrival. It's a time of expectation, of waiting, of, in, of great anticipation. Advent in our day connects the past with the present and the future, connects us with the ancient Israelites who in the past were hopeful for their Messiah who was promised. It connects us to the present, the Christ that has been born, and he is alive. And it connects us with our future because he is returning in his second coming. 
Advent is a time to prepare our hearts and help us focus on God's love. It's not a time to pretend to be happy or cover up the pain or, or, or the hardships that we've been experiencing during the year. It's a season to get a fresh perspective of the greatness of God through the gift of His Son. This perspective is through the Emmanuel, God with us. God has never abandoned us. When he came and he said, they said, name him Emmanuel, God with us. God was very present. And before Jesus ascended to heaven, he said, and lo, I am with you always. Though physically he is not present with us, he has sent a spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives within the believer and he is within this world. And he is very present to those who are in trouble. So for the, very, uh, the, the few next weeks that we've got, I want us to explore the attributes of Christ that are encapsulated in his birth. Hope, peace, joy, and love. On Christmas Eve, we'll gather together and celebrate the arrival of our Messiah. In the Old Testament, the believers were longing for their Messiah and they went through some very challenging days when they lost their sovereignty and were captured by Assyria and then Babylon. They were in captivity and, and, and led away. As the, uh, the Greco-Roman Empire came, certainly they were able to go back to their land and try to rebuild in the days of Nehemiah and Ezra. But still they were never able to, to regain the, 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 the majesty they had under the, the rule of King David and Solomon. There had been the division of the kingdom, and therefore they were then defeated. And in the first century, as, as the believers were still trudging along after hundreds and hundreds of years, um, they were in a position still longing for the Messiah, but there had been silence from God for 400 years. No prophet had come with any new words. And so it was a very dark day. We think we have it tough. Can you imagine not hearing from God and not seeing any movement of God in major ways to redeem his people for over 400 years? But there were some who still clung to the hope that the promised Messiah would arrive. In the book of Luke, New Testament, and I hope you don't miss this when you read through the Christmas story, Jesus had been born and then he was being brought to the temple uh, for dedication. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Rod just read a portion of this passage. But if you look in Luke chapter 2, and if you don't have a Bible with you, use the, the Pew Bible right in front of you. Uh, you can turn to page 805. There are two individuals in their advanced years who had been clinging to the hope of the promised Messiah, and hope was a certainty for them, but they were not certain of the timing. They just knew the promise would be fulfilled. And one of them had a little more insight because he knew he would not die until the promise was fulfilled. In Luke chapter 2, looking down at verse 22, it begins this way. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses. They brought him up to Jerusalem, speaking about Jesus, this, this infant. They brought him up to the, the Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. 
as it is written in the law of the Lord. Make every, no, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, this, this promised Messiah to come and redeem them. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now that's a, quite a statement. That over 400 years of silence and even over 1,000 years of prediction of the Messiah to come. And, and he had the Holy Spirit speak to him. Now, realize it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was not residing within individuals yet. You and I, as believers, can have the Holy Spirit reside in us. But prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus, there was no indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit would come and reside on you and he could leave. So here the Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he would not see death until he sees the Messiah, the Lord's Christ. In verse 27, And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them, and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, the child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This was an incredible moment. Thousands of years, or a thousand years or, or more, had been uh, uh, prophesied about the coming Messiah, as we see in the book of Isaiah. But when this Simeon, this devout, righteous, older gentleman, walks into the room and sees Jesus, he knows immediately this is the Messiah. All the waiting, all of the, 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 the difficulties we've gone through, all the persevering over the many generations, and now it's all come to the end where this is the Messiah who is going to rescue not only those in Israel, but you notice this Jewish man's words? It was a word for the Gentiles as well. His hope was real. It wasn't just, I hope something happens. When he knew the promise of God, it was a certain hope, but not certain of the timing, other than it would be before he passed, and now he gets to see. He can depart this world in peace, knowing the hope has been fulfilled. He's not the only one. As the passage goes on, it, it reveals 
an older, or an older uh, uh, female named Anna. Verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, in the a tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84 years old. She did not depart from the temple worshiping from the, uh, with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting. Notice that word waiting. We'd been hopeful and waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. These difficult days, hoping for the fulfillment. And now Simeon and, and Anna were sparks of hope in Israel. They left that, that time, they left that room, and they told the individuals, our hope has been fulfilled. What we believe by faith, now we've seen by our own sight. Being older, they had experience of hardships. The lesson I learned from their lives is that when you cannot see, you do not give up when you have pure hope. Some of us don't see the end of what will take place in our days, but we cannot give up. We cling to the hope that's been promised because we trust the one who has made the promise. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our hope is solidified in the God who promises and always fulfills. So from this, I want us to, to look at a couple of passages of hope for our season. There are three essential truths regarding hope. The first is this. Hope sees beyond. Turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 24, 25, and 26. If you're using the Pew Bible, you can turn to page 888. So three, uh, three uh, verses or three sections of, of the book of Romans show us what to do in the hope that has been given to, to us. The same hope that we can have that, uh, uh, that Simeon and Anna had for generations. Hope sees beyond. See, hope is the fuel of faith. What keeps us going? What, what keeps us uh, going to the next challenge and we overcome? What makes us overcomers? It's the hope that fuels our faith. Hope is the spark in the cold darkness that will catch fire and, and give the warmth that we need. Hope is the dawn of the first light on a new morning. No matter how bad your year has been, no matter what kind of problems or struggles you're even facing right now, don't abandon hope. Hope sees beyond the current circumstances that you find yourselves in. Hope chases away the darkness and the uncertainty. Hope is the confidence of a better day. Hope is alive because God is alive and he has promised to be with us. In Romans chapter 8, I mean, verse 1 is, is, is what gives me hope to continue on every day, by the way. I'm going to look at verse uh, 24, but verse 1 tells us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
When you find yourself in Christ, you've been covered by his blood. That, that his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, has, has guaranteed a protection of our souls that give us hope for heaven in the future. It's not based on what we do. We do things out of gratitude, not out of earning a salvation position. Christ has earned our salvation. We just have a position of having faith and hope of what he has promised. But look at verse 24. What does it say for us? For in this hope, we were saved. What God has done for us, we have hope in this, and we are saved by this hope. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Do you have the patience of Simeon? Do you have the patience of Anna? By the way, we, none of us, to my knowledge, has ever seen Jesus Christ in the flesh. None of us are that old, and I doubt Jesus has come back for a second coming just for you. Meaning that when he ascended, he is coming back, so we had to trust in a God we have not seen. But I like what Billy Graham said years ago. You've never seen the wind, but you've seen the effects of the wind. And I've never seen Jesus Christ in the flesh, but I've certainly seen the effects of his movement over 2,000 years, and I know of his impact in my personal life on a daily basis. I trust his word, and I see his power. I feel his presence, and I see what he's doing in and through me in this world. Aren't you thankful? See, hope sees beyond. Hope is not by seeing, it's by faith that has been given to us. Hope exists before the reality comes to pass. When you cannot see, but you still believe, it's because you trust in a truthful God. Hope, by its very nature, exists in the uncertainties before it is manifest. Hope exists among the questions and the waiting. Some in the New Testament were being discouraged after Jesus had ascended and they were thinking Jesus was going to come back in a very short time. And, and Peter writes of this. James kind of mentions it just briefly. But the, the New Testament writers were giving them hope, saying, just keep clinging on. His promise will be fulfilled. Don't let the world get you down and continue to say, where is your God? He's never coming back for you. Listen, for those who have trust in Jesus Christ who saved them, then you must also trust he's the God who will come back and rescue you from the world that is. We cling to him. We cling in the hope that is certain, though it is not seen. Hope is the willingness and the desire to believe beyond what our present circumstances and reality are presenting to us. As new residents of Virginia, we knew we needed to change our driver's license and get our title and registration transferred to the state of Virginia, but because of COVID, everything has been delayed. So in early September, I went on the DMV website and found that uh, the first appointment we could have was the day before Thanksgiving. How exciting is that? We're not doing anything at this time. So then, on Monday of this last week, I, I, uh, as you contacted DMV, we've got to, and there's discrepancy here, but I'm just going to tell you what my understanding was at the moment. Uh, so don't come and try to change. You know, you should have done this, you should have done that. Listen, I, don't, I can't change anything in the past, so here we are. 
On Monday, I found out that we're supposed to have state um, inspection of our vehicles. You know, we don't have to have emissions, but we had to have a state inspection. So, okay, so on Tuesday, I get three vehicles up to the place that needs to do the inspection. One of our vehicles was rejected. That's what it actually said on the sticker, rejected. That's not a very kind way to treat new residents. You're here and you've been rejected. And there were a couple of things, minor things that need to be corrected, but some, what I, in my anticipation, uh, you know, or expectation, it was a little more major. And here on Tuesday, I'm going to have to go on Wednesday to submit documentation and prove that I've done all of these things. And two will pass, but one has not. What do I have to do? And I'm asking the guy, and he says, well, you need to, you need to, to, to get a mechanic to change the, the rear upper arm controls of, you know, of where the tires are connected. Now, now, when he said that, it was a foreign language to me. And I'm like, well, can you do it? He says, yeah, in about three weeks. I'm pretty busy. But you have to get it done within two weeks or within 24 hours, basically. And I'm like, oh. And he said, listen, are you mechanically inclined? I said, no. He said, but it's really easy. He says, I believe you can do it. I have hope that you can accomplish this. I'm like, oh. Let me call my friend John Phillips. But before I did so, I said, what do I need to do? He says, just go over to you know, the auto parts store, ask him for the parts, and see what you can do. And I went over to the auto parts store, still doubting that anything good could come out of this. And so I went to the auto parts store. I'm not kidding here. I went over there. After three hours of getting inspections of all the vehicles, I went over to the auto parts store, and they said, yes, we can get those parts by this afternoon. About two hours. I said, okay. And then I said, I've never done this before. He said, oh, it'd be no problem just take off the tire and you'll find it and disconnect it. And I'm like, my daughter drives this car and I don't think she'll drive it if I fix it. <laughs> so, but here's the reality of it. I said, okay. He says, you can do it. I got faith in you. Great, welcome to Virginia, he says. So he calls me in a couple hours. I get the parts. I take off the stuff and probably, and by the way, the, the guy at the, at the original uh, state inspection place was really kind. He said, you know, we're going to charge you $60 an hour just for our labor, and then we'll charge you extra for the parts that will cost you more than if you do it yourself. So it's going to be a very expensive thing, or you can just do it for yourself. And so I got the parts. I got back there, and I said, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. I really have no hope in this. I should. The guy said he had faith in me, and he knew I could do it. So based on their hope, I took it apart, I put it together. It took me many, many hours, but I was done. But just so you're not concerned, I took it back the next morning because I didn't want the rejection anymore. I wanted the, the pastor approval or whatever it says now. So I went and I said, would you just check it out? He was shocked to see me, by the way. But he checked it out. He says, actually, you did a great job. I didn't even have to tighten it or anything. I said, oh, this is great. Now, what I didn't tell him was that YouTube was a great teacher, how many of you have fixed anything by YouTube? I love that. Which actually leads me to my next point. See, the thing about fixing it, they had a little more hope that could see beyond, you know, my present circumstance. I just didn't have much hope in there. But this is where a believer is. When we can't see it, we have to trust in what God says. It's not what we think. It's just what God says. So we just trust in that. And we have hope that sees beyond our present circumstances. It will be all right. Just trust and keep walking in faith. Here's the second thing that we see, and this is verse 26. Hope doesn't just see beyond. Hope 
sees with help. Look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with the groanings too deep for words. You might be in a position where where you're sitting there, I want to have hope, I want to see beyond, but I don't really see it. And God fully knows that you don't have all the faith that you need to accomplish it. So he sends you a helper to help you see beyond. He's going to help you move beyond your present circumstances so you can follow through and not give up. If you only trust in yourself, you will always fail. But when you trust in God and depend upon the Spirit who lets you walk in step with him, then you will succeed. Hope sees with help. And the Spirit of God is far better than YouTube, let me just tell you. Look at verse 27. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. There are days I don't even know what to pray. But you know what I do know for a fact is the Spirit knows and he will intercede for me and say exactly what the will of God is. When you're in a situation and a circumstance like we are in 2020, we're like, I don't know what to do. What's going to happen? All these calamities. You know, in in March we were praying one way. By April we're praying a different way. By June we're we're praying a different way. And now here we are in in close to December and the end of November, and we're like, what do we pray? You just trust in the Holy Spirit that he knows what to pray and keep reading the word and don't give up until God has satisfied what his answer will be until he is bringing the fulfillment and, and, and all that needs to take place. Just trust him. The Spirit of God is here to help. Look at verse 29. And we know. That's verse 28. And we know. There are things we don't know. There are a lot of things we don't know. Sometimes we're not willing to admit how much we don't know. But there are some things we can know. And what does Paul say? We know. That for those who love God, anybody love God here? When you know that you love God, for we know that those who love God, would you just say this out loud with me? All things work together for good. Y'all aren't convinced yet, I can tell, because you're not saying it. All right, say this with me. All things work together for good. You mean even, we can apply this even to 2020? Our present circumstances, our our, our financial position, our health, uh, the uncertainty of 2021, you know, the uncertainty about all this political mess that we've got going. All things can work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose? Yes. We can know that. We don't have to know how it's all going to turn out. We just know that God will help us by his spirit to see beyond where we are and to see and be helped by him along the way. Verse 29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's God's goal in our life, is to be conformed to the image of his son in order that we, he might be the firstborn among uh, many brothers. These are the things we need to know. Verse 30, And those whom he predestined, he also called. 
And those whom he called, he justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. So here's my my hope, here's my promise. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who or even what can be against us? What can keep us from the promise of God here? Nothing. My hope rests in him. He who saved me, who justified me, will sanctify me and glorify me. He will do all of his work in me. What is my role? Just to be conformed to the image of Jesus by the help of the Holy Spirit. That's where our hope is. In this season and any season. Which leads me to the third point. I want you to uh, turn back a page to Romans chapter 5. It says in in Romans chapter 5, verse 2, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This hope of salvation that we have. In verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, which are not permanent, They are temporary, but our temporary sufferings that take place are actually producing something in us. Knowing that the suffering produces endurance, in verse 4 it says, and endurance produces character, and character produces what? Hope. You need some more hope? Begin to persevere and go through this, this time of difficulty that we can rejoice in. We don't rejoice because of our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings because we have the hope of our salvation in God alone. It produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. These are precious words. This is the hope that sees us through. The God who began a good work in you, guaranteed, will carry it on to completion. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. We have the hope of Christ that saves us. We have the hope of Christ who will sustain us. And every day we go through the challenges. We're rejoicing, though we have difficulties, these sufferings he speaks of. We have a rejoicing spirit, even in the difficulties, because we know he's producing his character in us that that displays the hope that clings to the promise that will be fulfilled. Hope gives us joy. It does not give us shame. Posted this, I believe it was yesterday about Captain Tom. Anybody heard of Captain Tom? Because you're not from England and you don't read the news. Captain Tom, during this pandemic, Captain Tom rose as a hero. His name is Tom Moore, but that later known now as Captain Sir Tom Moore since he was knighted by the Queen of England. He's a 100-year-old man who raised $40 million dollars during the pandemic for the British healthcare system by walking 100 laps, one lap in his garden for every year he's been alive. He raised money getting contributions, pledge me per lap. Started off as a challenge from his son-in-law to donate a dollar per lap perhaps, but then it went viral with his daughter who posted it online uh, for a, uh, on a charity site. News spread quickly and suddenly this World War II veteran became a national hero. When he was asked about his confidence, 
to accomplish it. How did you know you could do that? Captain Tom told the reporters, the first step was the hardest. But after that, I got into the swing of it, and I just kept on going. That's what it is with hope with all of us. Sometimes the first step is the hardest. But how do you know you'll succeed is because you took the step, you trusted in God, and you kept on going. I want to close with this last verse, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That's our confidence today. That's my prayer for you today, that the God of hope will fill you with the joy and peace that you believe of his work And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will continue to abound in hope. Would you pray with me as we conclude with a hymn of invitation? Father, it's in your grace that we live and we move and have our being. The very breath that we, we breathe every day is the breath that you give us that sometimes we take for granted. But we know because you're living in us, you give us common grace, but you also give us special grace in letting us know who your Son is and helping us to have faith in him. Father, in this season, for believers among us, I pray you would just encourage them so much and and, and solidify their faith in you that they would have hope of who the Son is and the promises of his return. Let us proclaim this to all those in our world who lack hope. Let us be hope givers as much as hope believers. And Father, I pray in this season that more people would find the hope in Jesus. They would find their peace and joy in Christ alone. Let us be instruments of your grace in the world that so desperately needs you. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.